On today's Locked On Giants podcast, the assistant coaches speak to the media. What's up with Jason Garrett and the day at camp coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, New York Giant fans? This is Patricia Traina, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this is your New York Giants update for Friday, August 6th. Actually, this is going to cover the events of Thursday's practice, and it was a busy Thursday practice for the Giants, a light practice per se, some observations, which I'll be sharing with you coming up in the the program. But mainly the highlight of the day was all of the assistant coaches, the coordinators came out, and they spoke to the media about a variety of different topics. And, you know, they were all out at once and to try and get to everybody in the hour or so that we had with the coaches, kind of impossible, but some takeaways that I'll give you some audio clips that I have that I can share with you, including some exclusives I've gotten. And uh, we're going to talk about all that here on today's show. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, thank you for joining me. All right. So the first thing I've got to get off my chest is I've got to talk about this whole thing with Jason Garrett. And for those of you who missed it, there was a moment at the end of Jason Garrett's presser with the media in which you know, he he leaned down to pick up his practice notes, said, good to see you again, guys. And when nobody responded, he stood up and he said it again. And then he was walking off. Somebody had said, good to see you again in person, Jason. And he kind of like threw back over his shoulder with a kind of a cheeky grin around. And I'm paraphrasing here. He said something to the effect of around here, we say it's good to see you again, coach. And then he walked off with a grin. Disclaimer, I didn't see that. I wasn't at the podium at the time. I was at a different podium, but I did see the video of the whole exchange. And of course, a couple of people took issue with it because, you know, this goes back to the whole Deion Sanders issue a few weeks back in which Deion Sanders, who is now, I believe, the head coach of uh, Jackson State, took offense to the fact that some reporter referred to him as Deion instead of coach. And Dion went on a whole big thing about you wouldn't call Nick Saban Nick, you would call him coach. So I want to be treated like Nick Saban, even though Dion, you know, hasn't quite accomplished in his college head coaching career, Saban has accomplished, but that's neither here nor there. So anyway, a few people in the Giants media took exception to what Jason said as he was leaving the podium. And look, I I get it. There are some people who feel that, you know, unless the person was their coach, they're not going to call them coach. My philosophy and my practice, and this is just how I was raised. I'm not saying, you know, my way is the right way. It's the wrong way. This is just how I was brought up. But when somebody works and achieves a title that not everybody in the world has, you refer to them by that title. So for example, a judge, for example, Judge Smith, you wouldn't call him Joe Smith, you would call him Judge Smith. A doctor, somebody who has earned an MD or a PhD, you would call them Dr. Jones, all right? Um, a, A coach, You know, not everybody can be a coach. Not everybody is cut out to be a coach. So you give them the respect and you call them coach 
Garrett, okay? That's how I was taught. And I was also taught that this is really no different than when you're talking about one generation older than you. So for example, I'm in my 50s, but if I come across somebody who is in their 70s or 80s, you know, basically somebody old enough to be my parent, I'm going to refer to that person as Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. or what, you know, whatever title um, is appropriate. I'm not going to call them by their first name, even though I'm an adult. I'm considered, I guess, a mid-age adult. So, you know, it's it's a sign of respect. And really, I don't get what the problem is. I don't see why this is a big deal. I don't know why, you know, energy was even wasted on this topic. And, you know, I get it. Here I am. I'm wasting energy on it as well. But I just had to get it off my chest, you know, because it, it was a storyline, unfortunately, that popped up during the day. And I just had a comment on it because I just think it's so ridiculous that people are making a big deal over it. So uh, look, Jason Garrett, I covered him when he was back in the the 2000s, the early 2000s, when he was a backup quarterback here. Always called him Jason, never had a problem with him. You know, he called me Pat. I called him Jason. You know, I still call him Jason, you know, and even though he's a coach, it's just that pre-existing relationship I have. So him, I call Jason. Coach Graham, I'll call Coach Graham. Joe Judge, you know, since I asked him flat out, did he prefer to be called Coach or Joe? And he said it didn't matter. Sometimes I call him Coach, sometimes I call him Joe. And it's the same thing with some of the other coaches. You know, if, if a guy is a little younger or, you know, he, he he's very more relaxed, I'll, I'll call him by his first name or, you know, unless he tells me otherwise, you know. Um, but most of the guys don't care. You know what? At the end of the day, this is what it boils down to. And I think Joe Judge summarized it best when I asked him the question. He said, at the end of the day, I don't care what you call me. He says, what I'm going to remember is whether or not you treated me with respect. And if you didn't treat me with respect, that's what I'm going to remember. I don't care if you call me Joe, Joey, you know, Junior, Judge, whatever you want to call me. Just if you didn't treat me with respect, that's what I'm going to remember. So, you know, I guess to each his own, to each her own. But I did have to get that off my chest, you know, because it was a big topic that popped up today. But anyway, coming up, we're going to talk about some better stuff. We're going to talk about some football stuff because that's what this is all about. And anytime the assistant coaches uh, are made available, you can generally get some golden, golden nuggets. And Jason Garrett had some nuggets that I think are worth sharing, as did a few of the other coaches. And we're going to talk about those coming up in just a moment. But first, Bilt Bar is a healthy and low carb, low sugar and high protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time offering available in nut and nut free varieties. Visit BiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. And by the way, their new flavor which I believe is available for a limited time is Rocky Road. Really looking forward to trying that flavor out. It's got obviously the chocolate, the marshmallows, almond, really excited about trying that flavor out once my shipment arrives. So, all right, folks, coming up next, we're going to talk Giants assistant coaches. So stay with us. All right, welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And in this segment, going to talk about a couple of things that the assistant coaches had to say during their media sessions. I mean, they all spoke, so there's so much to cover. 
but really a couple of things kind of jumped out about uh, the media sessions. And the, there were a couple of topics I know I was interested in, and I'm going to talk about them here in this segment. And one of the first things, and I know this is, was kind of uh creating, if you will, a little bit of a backlash. I posted the quote on Twitter. It was a question that was asked of offensive coordinator Jason Garrett about using more pre-snap motion. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for you the exact quote so you could hear it for yourself and then come back and just talk a little bit about it. Yeah, you know, motions, obviously, if you follow our offenses in the year, they're a big part of what we've done. Uh, Last year, we ran a lot more of the no huddle stuff. We're on the line of scrimmage where you don't run as much motion we were using tempo sometimes we went fast sometimes it went slow we weren't in the huddle as much uh, last year i don't know if you guys could see that you know on tv but that, that was one of the things that we did but you know motion and shifting and movement all that stuff has been a big part of what we've done in the past and we feel like it applies uh, to a particular game plan we'll certainly use it all right now i don't know what the final statistics were but i saw in e- uh, on an espn tweet that through 10 games, the Giants had used pre-snap motion on approximately 8% of their uh, offensive snaps. So that put them 20th in the league. Quite a, a big difference between, you know, saying that you use it a lot versus um, what you actually have used it. And last year, obviously, not as big of a of, of a. Uh, piece of what they have done. Now, with that said, you just wonder, maybe Garrett was talking about, ideally, they would like to use more pre-snap motion, but for whatever reason last year, they didn't. Now, I don't know if that's the case or why that might have been the case, but in terms of pre-snap motion, you know, you saw things like the motion on jet sweeps and stuff like that. Um, but you rarely saw guys shifting positions and going to different spots and whatnot or coming across in motion uh, to see if you, they were getting man or, or, you know, zone coverage. And they really, you know, the whole point of pre-snap motion is it, it does two things. Number one, it creates confusion for the defense because now what the defense thinks you're going to run, now you're changing it up a little bit. You're throwing a wrinkle in there and you're, forcing the defense to adjust accordingly. The other thing, obviously, is it helps a young quarterback determine if he's facing man coverage or if he's going to be facing zone, and he can adjust accordingly. So kind of a surprise that Jason Garrett didn't use it as much as last year. I mean, maybe he intended to, I don't know, but I certainly hope this year he uses it more. And, you know, one reason why I think maybe he didn't use it as much last year is because he went with more 13 personnel, I'm sorry, more 12 personnel, and not as much in terms of 11 personnel. I think when you use 11 personnel, you can probably use um, more pre-snap motion. So that might have had something to do with it, just not having the personnel to do it uh, the way maybe he wanted to or as frequently as he wanted to. So, that's something I'm curious to see if that changes in the coming year. I mean, I think it has to. If they want to help Daniel Jones and they want to really help this offense get off the ground and hit the ground running, you know, include it. You don't have to do it every single play, but, you know, some of the more successful offenses, I think uh, Green Bay, Baltimore, um, I want to say the Chiefs, these are all offenses that heavily utilize pre-snap motion. So, you know, if the league is a copycat league, then I 
don't see any reason why the Giants don't want to or shouldn't up their usage of pre-snap motion. All right, another thing I was very curious about, and I know I've asked this of head coach Joe Judge, but having had the opportunity to talk to Garrett and to offensive line coach Rob Sale, I wanted to hear from them what exactly is driving this confidence in the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line, if you think about it, they have been in, in pads now. I want to say, as of this recording, they've only had two padded practices. All right, so that would be, would have been uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. They're going to have a couple more padded practices, I believe, Friday and Saturday. And then, of course, you know, there'll be padded practices next week. But you really can't gauge the offensive line and how far they've come along until they get in the pads and they start engaging in live contact. So, you know, when I spoke to Joe Judge about this and, and I said, Coach, what's what's driving this confidence? He says, oh, it's how we're working. I believe in how we're working. So I asked Jason Garrett that question and I also asked Rob Sale that question. And I'm going to play Garrett's clip first and then Rob Sale's second and then come back and talk about it. Yeah, I think we made progress over the course of last year when, when a lot of young guys playing for us just simply were inexperienced. And I think over the course of the year, you saw them grow and develop. And, and again, it's the same thing we talked about with Daniel. If you approach it the right way, you get your mind right and your spirit right uh, to come out and practice and get better every day, you're going to improve. So we try to put those guys in those situations and they're responding well. We have a long way to go. Every, every guy individually and certainly as a unit, uh, but they're going about the right way. And here's what Rob Sale had to say. You know, I've been telling those guys one rep at a time, one play at a time, one period at a time, and keep getting better every single day. If there's a mistake, once we're correcting it, uh, post-practice, don't make the same mistake the next day. And I mean, we got the individual, we keep getting better, keep doing the same drills, and they'll keep getting better. You know, we have go against, obviously, defense and competitive practice. And, uh, we want to compete. We say iron sharpens iron. So that's what I think saving and leading the process. Be, be set sound fundamentally football, uh, no situations, uh, and play good ball. You know, take the bad ball, take it. That's all what I think part of the process. All right, so there you have it, folks. Some coach speak there as to why the Giants are still confident in the offensive line being better this year. Never mind the fact that the tape is showing anything. Never mind the fact that, you know, again, that they've had a lot of experience with uh, padded practices with this current configuration or the different guys that are going in and out of the lineup for whatever the reason. I mean, I get it. You know, what What do you expect the coaches to say? You know, oh my God, we're not coming together on the offensive line, but I need to see it in a game. I, You know, there's no other way around it. The coaches can talk about how well they work until they're blue in the face. They can talk about, you know, the individuals, the quality of the individuals and how well they're paying attention. We've heard all this before. And don't get me wrong. I hope the coaches are spot on with their confidence in this unit. I hope this is just not simply wishful thinking. But right now, I would say, show me. You know, I, I know I asked the questions. Matter of fact, I am the one who asked the two questions that that uh, were responded to by the clips you just heard. But again, show me. Give me a reason to believe 
that this unit is going to be okay. Because I've heard coaches before say, not just of the offensive line, pick a position, pick a player. I've heard them say, oh, I like how so-and-so works. You know, so-and-so is working real hard, yada, yada, yada. I get that. But sometimes you can work your tail off and not have the desired results that you want. So show me, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way. And I hope also that I'm not the only one who, who says that they hope that they're wrong about this offensive line because it's, they they really need that unit to step forward and and produce. So, all right, Giant fans, there's still more to come here on the Locked On Giants podcast. Keep it here, and we'll be right back with you. All right, Giant fans, let's get into some observations, some thoughts about training camp. I know it's been a few days since I have done this, so let's go in that direction. And um, I want to start off real quick with an injury update. For those who haven't heard, Kenny Galladay is expected to miss approximately two to three weeks with his hamstring strain. That was first reported, by the way, by the Daily News. And I had a source confirm that for me. And Joe Judge also spoke a little bit about that, saying that the first, you know, 36 to 48 hours is, you know, the biggest part of which they're watching him and, you know, But anyway, Judge also said, as he has been saying with Saquon Barkley and other guys who have been injured, there is no timetable. They're just hoping for the best and just let him go ahead and get the treatments and respond accordingly and just see where he's at. And, you know, I have to say, this is a quite a different uh, approach that Judge is taking as opposed to Tom Coughlin. I can remember back in the day where if a guy was banged up, you know, Coughlin would just be very anxious to get him back on the field. You know, obviously not at the the point where if the guy wasn't physically ready, but the sooner the guy could get back on the field, the better. And Judge is taking kind of the the opposite approach with Kenny Galladay. He's just kind of taking it slow and saying, okay, you know what? Um, when he's ready, he's ready. And I, I like, I actually like Judge's approach better. And the reason why I like it is right now, they're in training camp and I get it. There's only so many reps to be had. There's only, there's only so much time to accomplish what you need to accomplish. But these guys are also professionals. They've been training. They've been working out. It's not like they've been sitting on the couch for the last six or seven months doing nothing. So while you would like to have everybody on the field practicing, right now it doesn't matter if these guys are, are really you know, going at it full speed or partially or or whatever the case might be, just so long as they get themselves ready for September 12th. That's what's going to count the most. Now, I'm sure you're probably saying to yourself, well, how are they going to get ready if they're sitting on the sideline and, and not practicing? They've got ways to get them ready. So Judge is I think he learned a lesson last year was rushing certain guys back from injury. Doesn't want to see that happen. He doesn't want to see guys have setbacks. I can't help but think that it was the Daniel Jones injury that kind of was the the catalyst for this new change in philosophy. But I don't disagree with it because right now the Giants have time on their side. So why would you want to rush Kenny Galladay or Saquon Barkley or anybody who's coming off injury back before they are ready? Now, that said, there are some certain guys that probably could stand to get on the field a little quicker than what they have 
so far. And one of which comes to mind, you have uh, O'Shane Zimenez, who hasn't been able to get on the field. He is still on the pup list. And this is a guy who, you know, uh, I think he, he had a season-ending shoulder injury, and then he started the pup list with a hamstring strain. So when a guy continues to miss a lot of practice time, that to me is a concern. And I think, you know, in the case of Galladay, yes, he missed a lot of, of the games last year with his injury, but just a, di- a whole different thing. Galladay is a little bit more uh, accomplished than Zimenez. And these younger guys, the sooner they can get on the field to, to learn and, and just grow in their positions, the better. So it's it's a fine line, I get it, but there's, you know, some guys just, if they don't get on the field, you wonder how much they're going to be able to give you at some point during the season. So we'll see about Zimenez, we'll obviously see about Ellerson Smith, who hasn't been able to get on the field. Lorenzo Carter has had a bit of a, a setback, well not a setback, but he has a calf issue which you wonder if maybe is is that tied into his Achilles. I know Joe Judge said it wasn't, but you know, the Achilles and the calf, if I'm not mistaken, are are connected to one another or, or in the same vicinity. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, you know, speaking of the edge rushers, which by the way, were kind of thin at practice or have been thin for a while. Uh great opportunity for Aziz Ojulari to really step in and work with the the first team defense. And I'll tell you what, I like what I've seen from Aziz Ojulari. Uh, this is a kid with a quick first step. This is a kid who uses his hands well. Uh, this is a kid who just, he's not winning every battle. You wouldn't expect him to win every battle, but he's holding his own out there. It's not like he's swimming out there and is totally lost with what's going on. And and uh, I, I've seen enough there to be really intrigued and really encouraged that maybe this young man will open up as not just a starter, but a guy who's going to see a lot of snaps for the Giants starting in week one. So uh, I'll quote you what um, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham had to say about Aziz Ojulari. He said, quote, the thing that shows up when he gets out there on the football field with pads on is he knows how to play football. That's a positive. He's physical. He's hard to move. He plays with his hands. I'm excited to keep working with him. And it's true. You know, you watch uh, Ojulari out there. Blockers are not latching onto him and washing him out. He's using his hands constantly to fight and swim upstream and getting into the backfield and penetrating. And he just seems to be, when it comes to to, uh, diagnosing the run, you see some good and you see some bad. But what I like about his game is that there's enough of a foundation there that this kid can be an every down defensive end, edge rusher. Um, most times when you have a young pass rusher, he's really good at pass rushing, but maybe not so good against a run. And then every once in a while, you get a guy who's good against a run, but he, maybe he's not the best pass rusher in the world. Ojulari right now is showing signs of having a little bit of both, and he's only going to get better. And I'm really, really excited to see what he brings to the table once they get to the preseason games, because this kid has been very, very promising so far in training camp. All right, a couple of other things. Um, it's been mentioned Julian Love has been working in the slot. Really not a surprise. Julian Love worked in the slot last year, too. 
uh, Julian Love, I want to say, let me see if I can find the the uh, stat for you. He played 61 snaps in the slot cornerback spot last year, which doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not a lot. But I once had, um, I think it was Terrell Thomas told me that when you're playing in the slot and you're playing safety, it's almost like the same sort of thing because you're playing inside. So not surprised to see Julian Love getting some slot snaps. And it's it's obvious to me the Giants want to mix up their slot cornerbacks. You know, they want to get Darnay Holmes in there a little bit, even though Darnay's had a little, you know, had some struggles. He's been going against Sterling Shepard in the slot, and Sterling has just basically schooled the poor guy. But, you know, Holmes is a fighter. And like I said, last year, he had some goods and he had some bad. And this year, he's struggling a little bit, but, you know, it's still early. So you have you know Julian Love, who's a little bit bigger, I think, of a of a defensive back, and the idea is to diversify the different sizes and options and skill sets you have at the slot cornerback position. Because how many times do we see it in in a game where you know now you've got a tight end in the slot, you know, a six foot five or taller tight end going up against a five foot nine or five foot ten cornerback? Talk about a mismatch. So that's what the Giants are trying to do. Just kind of match guys up based on tendencies of what the opponents are going to do and give themselves options because the more options they have, the better equipped they're going to be to defend what is thrown at them. So I don't uh, begrudge the Giants for mixing things up and maybe siphoning some of the snaps away from Darnay Holmes to Julian Love and eventually to Aaron Robinson when he's on the field, he'll get some of the snaps as well. I think it's just going to make that defense that much better moving forward. Okay, a couple of other things before we call it a show. Um, inside linebacker Reggie Raglan, who had been on the NFI list with a hamstring injury, he has passed his physical, so he's going to be ramped up slowly. Andrew Thomas has been dialed back a little bit. And what was interesting with that, uh, head coach Joe Judge was asked about it. And he basically said that, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase here, that Thomas, because he's coming off the offseason ankle surgery, they're just monitoring, I guess, his workload and how he's responding. So they dialed it back a little bit. And it also has given them an opportunity to put Matt Parrott over at left tackle, which is Based on what we're seeing, if I had to take a guess right now on how the Giants are going to play out their offensive tackles, it looks to me that they want to keep Nate Solder on the right side, regardless of what happens. And if something were to happen to Andrew Thomas, then Parrott would go from right tackle to left tackle, leaving Solder on the right side. So that's an interesting uh, takeaway, I thought regarding the offensive line configuration. They also have Kenny Wiggins who can play tackle, but it looks like Kenny Wiggins they want for the guard spots. Zach Fulton was getting a little bit of work at center. Shane Lemieux was out there. He's been out there the last couple of days. Hasn't really you know, done a lot of work, but very positive sign that Shane Lemieux was able to go out there and stand on the field as opposed to having to sit on the sideline or stay inside and reach and receive treatment. So that was certainly positive as well. Um, the other thing I want to just get, just getting back to Andrew Thomas, I want to just mention Andrew Thomas had his sur- surgery, I believe, right after the season ended, I want to say in January. So I found it interesting that he was kind of being dialed back a little bit 
almost seven months later uh, from from his reps. But again, this goes back to what I was talking about before with Joe Judge being cautious and realizing that he needs these guys for September 12th onward. And if they have to miss a practice here and there, not the end of the world. So I don't, I don't hold that against Judge. I don't think that's a mistake at this point. It's different. It's different for different guys. You know, guys who haven't been out there much because of injury or because they've been away or whatever. Ideally, you want to get them as many reps as possible, especially if they're healthy. But those who are coming off injuries, who played a lot of snaps last year, you can probably afford to take easier on them. So, all right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this show and for the week. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. We will be back, of course, next week with all new programs here on the Lachlan Giants podcast as we bring you all things New York Giants. Until then, everybody have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday.